Today, we continue in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Now last week, we talked to you about anxious. Today we're in Philippians 4, 8, 9. Last week we're in Philippians 4, 4 through 7. And we talked to you about anxious. You might recall that the Greek word that translated as anxious in Philippians is also translated as worry. In Matthew, when Jesus told us not to worry. And in Philippians, we admonish, admonish not to be anxious. Both places, one translated into the English worry, the other anxious coming from the same Greek work root word. This week we kind of continue in the, the concept of how we think and how we approach things. But it's a little bit different than just this concept of worry. You know, because we can mentally get stuck in worrying, anxiousness in this uh, cycle. But there's several groups and categories of things that we could focus our minds in that are more beneficial than others. There's some that we can focus our minds on that are, that are draw us into other challenges. It causes conflict or causes to hit into another cycle like you get into a worry cycle or an anxious cycle, can draw you down. You can get into other things, uh, types of, uh, or categories of thought that can be detrimental. And so as we read Philippians 4, 8, 9, we find here there's things that, and some of your Bibles might have this in the heading, that we need to meditate on these things. So let's read there. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, Whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these things do, and the God of peace will be with you. You know, the stories that we could think of and, and, and relate to in real life sometimes help us as we think about what Scripture is trying to, to tell us. And so the simple story, the simple analogy for us today, I think if we think about a child, now in your mind you might think of childs in different age periods, but... You know, if we think about a toddler, a toddler, we, we, can, we can think about running. They're two or three years old. If I, if I see a two or three-year-old running and they're going to be, you know, you're going out to the car, you're in the country maybe, or you have a gravel uh, part on your property, and you see them running, you're pretty sure something's going to happen. They're going to, they're going to fall. They're going to trip. They're, they're kind of new to that. But even on a sidewalk, when they're young and they're running, things happen. So you always tend to 
like them, you know they're going to fall. So you want them to land well, but when they, when they trip and fall and something happens, we, we pick them up and, and somebody, usually it's going to be mom, because moms have these magic kisses, so to speak. They say, let me kiss it and make it better. And when the child gets to maybe seven years old and he's running along and, and it's a boy and he falls and, and, and he hurts himself and he gets up and we go over and look at it and see what's going on. Mom still wants to kiss it and make it better and if there's a dad around, he tends to spit on his hands and wipe the dirt off, tell the boy to get up and keep going. And as we think about those concepts and we think about what we're telling them there, where did the focus happen? And because we could have also said the child was on the sidewalk and the child tripped and fell, skinned their knee, and there was blood. And maybe you've seen some people that are better in a crisis and not in a crisis. And you come up to the child and you say, oh, now we were taught this in first aid training. The first thing you don't, you don't tell them is this is, the first, this is the worst knee scrape I've ever seen in all my life. The last person I saw with this kind of knee scrape died. You don't tell a child that. You don't make it the worst case that it could possibly be. You try to get their mind off and then look onto other things, but when you're looking at the child that scraped the knee, you can also come up and say, listen, this is unbelievable. I'm going to sue the people that invented concrete sidewalks. I'm going to sue the city. I'm going to sue all these people because you fell and skinned your knee, ignoring the fact that the child's shoestrings were not tied. They tripped over their shoestrings, but... You're ready to blame everybody else and focus on that. Or you could tell the child, it's all right. We'll just get rid of the blood. Let's move on. And amazingly, just in those, that brief moment, you've taught the child a lot of concepts of life. Because you think about people about how many times and what they focus on. Are they focused on the healing? Or are they focused on how bad they can make this out to be? And how much they can milk it? Maybe you've been a parent and you've had the child trying to milk it and you're like, oh, you're all right. That's enough. But in other cases, maybe another parent does that, and then later in life we find them milking it. So the question becomes is you're dealing with the challenges of life and the things that are going on out there. Where are you meditating? Where are you spending your time? Now there's some other examples that we will we will get to, but let's just consider the scripture here. And what it's saying when it says in verse 8, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are 
True. True. They're not, they're unconcealable. The reality. What cannot be hidden? You know, you can spend a lot of time on what ifs, could be's, worst case. Now, for some that have to plan for catastrophes and prepare to save lives, they have to do those kinds of things, but they have to keep it in balance. You know, some people, like we said, are better in emergencies than others, better in a crisis than others. But they'll deal with the reality of things, but not making a challenging situation worse. I remember a, a leader in the denomination one time who had dealt with cancer. He was a district superintendent and he admonished the pastors that had come to visit him. And he told them, publicly, he says, some of you aren't very good at bedside manner. When somebody's dealing with cancer, you don't come in to them, and when they're dealing with them, and ask them, after the surgery, do you think they got all of it? Where's the hope in that? Do you think they got all of it? Let's pull them right back down into the reality of things. Does it change things? Does it encourage them? Does it lift them up? Does it give them hope? What if they didn't get all of it? What could it be? I mean, could it be a dealing with the, what if that? What if this? What's the focus? What's true? We can dream some dreams, but at some point we have to live in the real. We can't always be on the game computers. We can't always be in the metaverse with our avatars pretending. Now it's okay to read a book and think about some of those things, but we can get too much out of the truth and into this fantasy world. So that that becomes a reality, the reality of the shooting and the dying. And I mean, I've even played the car games, and some of them are so real that when you're out there on the highway, you're like, well, in the car game, I could do this or that to deal with that unruly driver on the racetrack. What is true? We have to deal with the reality of things. And is what we're thinking on and spending our time on noble? Is it honorable? Is it dignified?
Is it dignified? Really don't need to keep our, it's good to keep our minds out of the gutter, isn't it? And it says also, one of the things are just, what's right, approved of God, correct, upright. You know, when, a, when we talk about that little story and we need to sue the, the inventor of concrete and it was a perfect sidewalk maybe. And the, and, and the, the person that laid, it down, laid the concrete and blaming everybody else except for Acknowledging to the young boy, this is what happens when you don't tie your shoe. We could have the debate on, think about all the warning labels we get, so that people don't get sued on. You know what? If I give you hot coffee, now I know that in some of these cases, the coffee was too hot, but if I'm giving you hot coffee, Don't spill it in your lap, because it's going to burn. I've seen some crazy, crazy disclaimers. If you're allergic to this medicine, don't take it. I guess that's common sense, but maybe it's not. But people will sue, because they didn't have their shoe strings tied. They've got to blame someone else. But we need to focus on the things that are just. And purpose on the things that are pure, they're chaste. They're uncontaminated. You ever watch a movie or a show on TV and you're like, why did they have to go there? There was no need for them to go there. And it seems some people want to go to, they think somehow they're more intelligent if they become more crude. Somehow that speaking more, you know, when they call these words um, adult words, or for adults, it doesn't make them more mature. It actually makes them a little more childish and limited in their vocabulary. It is so disgusting to me. You tend to want to look at a woman and lift her up as, as a, you know, guys, we're crude. We're a little rough. I talked about the, the father spitting, spitting on his hand and wiping the, the, the mud and the, the, the blood off the knee of their child. That's a little crude. I tend to look at a woman with the, with the respect that she's a little pure, a little refined, have those kinds of things, and so you can imagine my disgust to hear the most vile words come out of a woman's mouth. Because she cheapens herself. It's, it's so mind-blowing. We talk about toxic masculinity. But then we have women trying to emulate the vulgarity of a man. Pure. Pure. So there comes a point we have to turn some of those shows off or stop watching those movies or we walk out or 
And those things that are lovely, that they're pleasing, agreeable. Things that go awe. You might say, I don't go awe. But it's those things that, you know, make it, make you feel warm. It makes it feel comfortable. Now, guys, that's a little harder for us to maybe get a hold of. You know, maybe it's that shiny wrench set. Just, it's that special thing. Those things that are special. We're supposed to think about those things of, of good report that are admirable. Uh, admirable. They're laudable. Wow, that's really great. That, that looks really nice. They're uplifting. Things that are What's it say? Is there any virtue? Any virtue, anything that's excellent, moral goodness, it's virtuous, it's praiseworthy, commendable. Meditate on those things. Now as you, as you think about that list, and we go through there, things are true, things are noble, things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there are any virtue and if there are anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Many might say we have a mental health crisis in our country. I'm not a psychologist, psychiatrist, any of that stuff. But it would seem that if we look at this list that we can see and think about the opposites and we've given you some illustrations when you fall down and you're skin your knee do you look for someone to blame or do you look for a way that you can because you're blaming somebody when it might have been your fault that's not just that's not true. You might see that you didn't tie your shoe. What can I do? You don't want to do that again. But I don't need to focus on that failure. I don't need to focus on the mistake. I need to get up and move on. Not try to find someone to blame. That's not their fault anyhow. Not to dwell on it. Not six from, months from now, try to pull it down. I need to balance these things out. We're going to have rough times in life. I might have told you this before, I'm not sure. I watched a, I've watched some uh, documentaries on World War II. And in the midst of those, they, I watched this one, if I, re, if I remember right, it was on uh, the Pacific Theater, which would have been that portion of the war. We were fighting Japan and Pacific Theater primarily, and then, of course, in the European Theater would have been dealing with Germany during World War II. And it showed pictures of them playing volleyball or playing football or playing some kind of game. on these islands in between the battle times. 
And you might say, well, why are they doing that? They're supposed to be at war. If you were in the midst of a war, and you look around, and maybe you've come through a battle, and you saw... You saw the guy in the next foxhole get blown up, or maybe your buddies in the foxhole be killed. And then, you know, you got other battles coming. If you start focusing on all the deaths around you and all the challenges around you, you're more likely to be in trouble in the next battle. You're more likely to be another casualty. You had to balance this out. Let's say they would balance this out with thinking on some good things. I remember playing football in high school. I played on defense a lot. I also ran the ball. But if you were afraid of getting hit, then you were going to get hurt. You were going to get hit. But if you're afraid of getting hit, you were going to get hurt. I was much smaller than I am now. I was smaller than several on the field. But the key in those situations was approaching it that if I did all I could and, did, and moved forward and hit it without fear, then I had a better experience from it. And in football, just as the case of the things that are, is you want to be the harder hitter. It's kind of unfortunately the truths of life. You'd rather be the Mack truck than the little car. So if in life we're in these situations that we have to deal with, we can determine ourselves, are we going to be afraid of life? To the point that it's paralyzing. Or are we going to try to look for those things that are praiseworthy, those things that are noble, those things that are, are uplifting? And if you're dealing with the trial of life right now, realize that you're probably at your you might be at your limit, and that happens. If you need to talk to someone, talk to someone about it. But maybe that's not the best time about thinking of, of and watching the news. Yeah, it's true, depending on what channels and things you watch and what papers you read, and somewhere there is some true. But it's not praiseworthy, it's not positive, it's not always uplifting, and it might be good to turn it off. 
Yes, there was a terrible thing that happened in the state of wherever that might be the other day. Did you hear about that? Yes, it was the other day. It happened to some people of some age, and somebody died, and it was bad. And by the way, there was somebody in this other state that you might have heard of. It was about this old, and their parents did this, and that happened, and wasn't that horrible too? If we feed on all the negative stories that happen throughout the world, remembering when you go to the news, their job is to fill it up with stories, and there's a lot of bad stuff out there. And sometimes the good and the bad don't balance out. We're not focusing on the lovely. We're not even dealing with problems that are ours to fix. And it can bog us down. There are times that you need to be informed. And things that you need to be informed on, but do we need all of it, all of the time? Maybe there's some good music of some type that's uplifting, that, that's pure. Maybe there's some comedy that's better than the trash that some like to go into. Maybe our focus shouldn't be on the blood on my knee that I can't do anything about. I deal with it, but if I focus on it, I can focus and become the victim and do a spiral that way. It doesn't help. Can you imagine if I came in as a, as a pastor and you're in a, <coughs> you're in a waiting room, waiting on your family to come through a difficult surgery, some member of your family, and they're coming through a difficult surgery, and here I come into the pastor, and I come and say, so how you doing? Well, they're in this surgery and stuff, and it's like, well, I hope it goes better than it did for so-and-so. I was just dumb from them, and they didn't make it through their surgery like this, but hope you guys do better, let me say a prayer, and then I'm out. Well, that doesn't help. Or if I come in and tell you about, well, did you hear about what happened in the other places? And I come in with the negative. Or I come in with my problems and hurt, uh, hope you help me solve my problems. Now, are you probably going to, I'm probably going to come in, and I'm going to probably talk about something that has nothing to do with the surgery. I'm probably, going to t I'm probably not going to ask you uh, that many questions on other problems that you might have in your life. I might tell you some abstract story about, hey, that was really, did you see the sun this morning? And the, 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 I'm going to probably try to distract you to something else because you don't need that much reality right now. You certainly don't need my reality. I don't need, you, I don't need to come in and say, hey, I understand how you're feeling. I mean, how many times you go to a funeral or something like that and somebody says, yeah, I understand. My, my, my father died of the same thing. And then you go in there and you're, you're trying to get sympathy out of them. They're the ones you should be giving sympathy to. Focus on the wrong things. We don't fill up our cup with the right things. Yes, we need truth. Truth. 
but we need to be compassionate for our brothers and sisters in Christ and even those around that they don't need your truth. The distraction doesn't mean to make them take on your problems. What things are lovely, it's okay to have some nice pictures and pretty things and things that lift us up and to do some of those positive thinking things. In the, I don't mean positive thinking of positive thinking. I mean positive thinking that's more positive. How's that? I'll say it that way. And just like that little child that we're focusing on the healing, not on the knee. You know, if the little child's interesting, let mommy kiss it, and mommy kisses it, and, it's all, and the kid's ready to go because the knee stopped hurting. Their attention span is short. Mommy distracted it. Mommy gave them help, and they moved on. Why do we as adults want to wallow in the injury? We like to pick the scab. Oh, he hurt me, and he did this to me, and she said that about me. Okay, that was bad. All right, so maybe you don't spend as much time with that person, and let's move on. Now, some people have to keep dealing with that person. I understand then that's rough. But you've got to think about other things. You've got to have some positive things in there, some lovely and some uplifting and things that are pure and wholesome and helpful. And it's not helpful to go to things that are more sinful. That's not good. Things that are just. You know, it's better to deal with reality and justice in the moment than make believe what you're doing is right when you know it's wrong. Kid trips on the shoestrings. The older child, don't make excuses for him. Make the point. Okay, hopefully you learn from this. Tie your shoes next time. Move on. Just move on. It was truth. There's the justice. Now we move on. We don't have to dwell on it. We don't have to stay there. Wallow in our mistake. We move on. Unfortunately, I don't know if kids are getting some of those simple lessons. I'm sure dad can sometimes get a little tough, and it's like, now get up, let's go. Yes, maybe a little bit more compassion. And hopefully you have a mom and dad can help you with, get both sides of that, right? But we need some, okay, so you're not, your leg hurts. Sorry, you've still got to dig a hole. Some, who else is going to dig it? It's got to be done. We have to persevere. And in life, we need to persevere. And so if you're dealing with life and life's a little rough, don't focus so much on only just the challenges. Deal with the truth, but don't make yourself a double victim. And by the way, don't don't draw other people down with you to make yourself feel better and expect them to bear all your burdens. Don't make them a victim too. 
so you can wallow together. It's not helpful. Hopefully through these things you've kind of gotten the idea there's times in the rough times that you need to put off the negative. Be careful what you watch on TV. Be careful what you listen to. And if you get that negative person in your life, maybe, sorry. And if somebody starts bringing something up and wallowing and saying, listen, I don't want to hear that right now. I don't need to hear about your crisis with the neighbors. I don't need to hear about your crisis at work. I'm, I don't need to hear your gossip. Say, I'm sorry, I'm kind of processing a lot of things I got, I've got going on right now. Um, I can't really handle a bunch of the negative. Hopefully they respect you enough and friends enough to hear, to hear that. Because it's not maybe they're in crisis, they just like to talk about that stuff. And it might not be able, you're able to do anything about it, but you've got to help yourself. You've got to keep those boundaries. You've got to keep the focus on the right things. Father and brethren, whatsoever things are true, or if things are noble, or if things are just, or if things are pure, or if things are lovely, or if things of good report, if there are any virtue, and if there are anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So put those through your filter. See if things are out of balance. See if you're focused on the same thing. Don't spend too much time in fantasy land. That's a new game, I think. I don't know. There's candy land, there's something land, fantasy land. But Paul then continues, The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Paul's basically saying, I taught you some things. You saw me behave and react to different circumstances in different ways. Do these things, and the God of peace will be with you. And if you think about Paul's teaching them things to meditate on, he's teaching them things to be thinking about, and we've talked about some of those things. And there's other lessons he's going to teach us before we're done with this series, which won't be too, too many more Sundays. But as we've focused in Philippians and we've seen other things, I can probably summarize, as Paul focused on God and lived his life in accordance to God's will and cast his care on God, and as he talked about as he meditated these things, he didn't let things distract him from his focus on God. See, that's what the devil's trying to do is distract you into the pain, which is easy to do when you're sick or when you're hurting. Or when you just lost your job. And if you're in those situations, and maybe they all happen at the same time, take this little formula here, think on these things. Turn off the news. Don't get too much negative in there. But add all those things together, and the lessons that Paul's taught you. And remember last week we said, Prayer in supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known, made known to God. So allow God help you with your challenges. Spend your 
time thinking on the right things that helps us with our attitude and follow the kinds of examples Paul's given us and the kind of teachings and making Christ preeminent in your life and the God of peace will be with you. So be actively protecting yourself and guarding and allow the Holy Spirit then to guard you as you take these lessons from the Scripture. Let's be standing together. Lord, today we have many crises that are going on and some are having a lot of mental issues. And we know life has crises and challenges. And Lord, we need your help. And that's where it starts, is acknowledging we need your help. We thank you for the practicalness of your word. That we need to be careful on where we focus our time, mentally. We need to be in reality. We need to deal with truth. We need to be, deal with justice. The things that are pure, not violated, not the vulgar. The things that are honorable. The things that make us go off in awe. They're lovely. They bring us comfort. They're uplifting, not only to us, but maybe to others. Help us to be mindful of these things and focus on healing instead of the hurt. Help us to be mindful as we love those around us, not to pile our load on them. Yes, we're to bear each other's burdens. And yes, there are those that we need to go to. But help us to be sure to be to go to you first. Help us just uh, to what up ourselves into a cycle of depression. Help us to enjoy the life you've laid before us. To not focus on the past and, well, I used to this and I used to that. And, but what's God wants you to do for you now? Let's focus on what he wants. Because he's done, but he wants to keep doing. Let's have hope. Bless us, Lord, to exemplify hope to other people. Not a woe as me, but a hopeful to all generations. The Lord is his hand. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand, meaning he's with me. And because he's with me, I have hope. And may you see hope in me. I want the hope that I have through Jesus Christ our Lord. Bless us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.